filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. We went wild on Girl Scout cookies uh, this week, or really last week. Uh, my office got the order form on Friday, and I was trying to be like, oh, yeah, let me think about what cookies I want, and I'll let you know in an hour or two. And the rest of my office was like, no, we are deciding our cookie orders right now, and we are submitting them right now because we need these cookies immediately. And so the cookies that I got were Thin Mints, of course. Uh, what are called caramel delights on this half of the country, but I have always known them as uh, Samoas. They're called Samoas in DC. Yeah, I've they're, they're not. Samoas. They're not in Virginia. Interesting. The, well, I'll, I'll get into this. I'll get into this in a sec. Uh, and then the other ones I got were lemonades, which are a shortbread with lemon flavoring. Those are fine. They have they have like. Uh, motivating phrases on them. Oh, I've, we, I don't know. I just eat them. We got a box of those. Oh, some people don't know this, but there are two different bakeries that make Girl Scout cookies, and they make them slightly differently. And one I of them I've is here. And one of them is here in Richmond, Virginia, and one of them is is somewhere in the Midwest. I'm trying to look this up. Um, but they make them slightly differently and they each have exclusive territorial rights over the various states and they do not compete in any way, shape or form. So maybe DC just has the other company for whatever reason. Yep. So I have an important question to ask you. Yes. I, 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 th- I think it's actually more of a statement. Uh, you put your thin mints in the freezer. No, then I say, then I say no. As anyone who has ever gone to an academic conference will say, uh, we, we need to shut down people who say, uh, I don't have a question. I have more of a comment. So, I'm I'm going to repeat. You put your Thin Mints in the freezer. I haven't yet, but I usually do. Okay. <coughs> I just needed to know if you were a monster. No. Yeah. Thin Mints in the freezer are good. That's where they go. It's where they belong. It's yeah. their home. I, I don't put them in the freezer. Uh, statistically, one of us was going to be a monster. <laughs> statistically, it was going to be Jason. It's a cookie. <laughs> it's a cookie. And it goes in the freezer. It doesn't. It, it, it absolutely does. It's not a frozen food. It's a cookie. It uh, is a frozen cookie at its it highest and best it use. does not make any sense to freeze it. <laughs> it. Until you try it. Until you eat it frozen, you're like, this I'm is I'm aware that people do this. I just... Have it's you tried clearly, it? Yeah, it's it's doesn't it's add anything. No, it's a cookie. Cookies aren't frozen. So, yeah. for, so for some reason, the bakery Block that's ice. in the bakery that's in Richmond serves Southern Virginia, but not Northern Virginia or Maryland. But it also serves Maine, Minnesota, Nevada, Texas. It's like this map is buck wild, y'all. It is all over the place. So how many half boxes? Of Kentucky, half of Kentucky and. 
two thirds of it or one third of Indiana. So in aggregate, Adam, which how ones many did boxes you have? growing up? Yes. Uh, I'm going to need to send you I'm, this map. I'm, I need you to pinpoint where in Indiana you are. Oh, fine. It's the southwestern corner is where I grew up. Okay, then you probably had the Richmond brand. Yeah, I think I did. And then the names changed when I came out here. But that was a very long time ago. And mostly I remember Thin Mints. That's what we got. Well, yeah, Thin Mints are great. My mom is a Thin Mint feed. Everyone is. Puts them in the freezer. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Girl Scout Cookies, and Jason is a Monster Podcast. You get an extra description this week. Uh, We are all from... I'm Adam Taylor, joined, as always, by the monster, Jason Anderson, and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. We're talking about that, of course, tonight, as we enter this final stretch of preseason. In the second segment, we'll bring on a longtime friend. It it has. I I haven't seen anything. We've seen photos. We've seen photographic evidence and uh testimonial evidence but we have not seen video evidence cinematographic evidence uh sure i i think video works just as well but cinematographic is certainly more syllables um it is we'll be talking about preseason in this first segment second segment longtime friend of the show matt doyle will come on and and help us look around the eastern conference and kind of get a lay of the land before we do anything though of course jason i have to ask you what are you drinking uh i have a pretty simple classic uh dark and stormy um i don't have the traditional dark and stormy because i don't have gosling's uh ginger beer um, but everything else is normal. It's it's the Q brand uh, ginger beer that I got instead. I think I've said this before, almost verbatim on this show. Almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, I I am drinking a single malt Scotch whiskey. Neat. No rocks. No drops of water in it. Just from the bottle to the glass to my mouth. Smoky or not smoky? It's smoky. It's not, it's not super peaty, but there's a little bit there. Um, so not, it's a, so not Lafrague level. No, 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 no. This is to my, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I've had it on the show before. Uh, it's a 12 year scotch, uh, that's finished in, uh, bourbon and sherry cases and, uh, T O M A T I N it's, it's a good complex, but still accessible scotch. I approve. It also comes with a very neatly engineered box that you open the flap and then you pull it out and put it in and it it it, it it's very smartly done. Anyway, I realized that description added nothing, but I'm just going to move on from it. Just let it lie. Ben. Yes. What are you drinking? <laughs> I'm going with a uh whiskey sour again. I've been going that way recently and it's just a good solid drink and I like it hard to mess up i am going to leave that unchallenged uh because now is when we talk about soccer dc united are back in florida for the last push of the 2020 preseason before things get underway properly on february 29th at audi field uh they they started this leg of preseason off with a one nothing win over orlando city in another game 
yeah, in another game that, as we mentioned earlier, was not streamed, was not provided in video format. We did see, I, I guess I was wrong. There is some video evidence because we saw the goal in this one. Uh, Michael Gamble, Loudoun United player who's been called up for preseason uh, on the end of this one, set up by by Kevin Paredes and Griffin Yao. So good to see a couple of homegrown guys combining with a guy who who knows, maybe he he comes up to the first team this year. We'll talk about that a little more later. Um, what we do know is that that DC United won one nothing. That DC wore red shorts as part of their new uniforms. We know that Michael Gamble was the goal scorer, and here's the sad part: we know that Paul Ariola left the game with a pretty serious knee injury that will keep him out uh, on, on a months long time frame. Um, I, I think we have to start with that. That is the actual story from from this game. Uh, he tore his ACL. It sounds like it was a partial tear. The prognosis is still outstanding at this point. We don't know how long he will be on the shelf. I think best case scenario is we could see him on the field in July. That's assuming it is the the most minor tear possible at this point. Um it, it's possible that he misses a lot more time than that and is back on the field sometime in 2021. So bad, bad news, Jason. Yeah, there's no, there's no way around it. Even the best case scenario here is really bad. Um, we're talking about, first of all, just a starting attacking player. Um, Ariola's main thing has always been, he's more of a force multiplier um, the fact that he's so good off the ball generally makes everyone else around him better because they have more options. Um, he works extremely hard. Um, all that stuff, it tends to make everyone else on the team better. And so his absence necessarily makes the team worse. Uh, it's not just, oh, we lost a talented player. It's it's how he functions within the group. Um, I, I think it also, it, you can tell from the reactions from the players um guys going to social media to post um, messages, hoping for the best and all that stuff. Um, You know, that doesn't happen with every single player getting an injury that might keep them out a month or two. um, Cause at that point, no one knows exactly what's going on. Um, He's extremely popular in the locker room. He's been emerging down the stretch last year. um, When things were not going so well for DC, he and Fred Briant were the two guys that seemed to emerge as, um, leaders on the team. Um, so that, that factor, you know, it's a, his injury doesn't mean he can't have some impact on group dynamics off the field, but when you're not a part of it, it does kind of hurt your ability to be involved in that way as well. It, it diminishes it somewhat. So, um, yeah, it's all around. It's really, it's rough news. It, it makes, um, the trade for Gressel now looks much, all that much more important because, as we spent a lot of time in the past few months saying DC should try and have one more starting caliber player that maybe isn't starting in that area of the field. They got there and now they're back to square one again. Um, But it's, I guess it's better than now sitting here, you know, what are we nine days, 11 days, I'm sorry, from the uh, start of the season and uh, not knowing where that, that third starter is going to come from. At least now it's kind of obvious. It'll be, Gressel, Flores, and Assad. Um, but, you know, you would much, much rather have Ariola 
out there as well. It's it's definitely going to be a, a tough thing for Ben Olsen to deal with. Yeah, um, I, I am glad we are not in a situation where Ulysses Segura is the presumed starter on opening day. Um, it's it's better to have Gressel, but yeah, there's there's n- that's finding the something other than the worst case scenario from a bad situation. Um, obviously best wishes to Paul, uh, get well soon, come back stronger. Um, but maybe this is also an opportunity for guys like Griffin Yao to force their way into the field. He did assist in the goal, um, against Orlando city. I, I assume that we'll see more of him in Wednesdays friendly. Um, I against Nashville, um, mm-hmm. Because yeah. the 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 starters are going to play against Philly in the last preseason game, which gets them on you know that weekly kind of schedule that most of the season occurs under. So you you let them rest and and play second string and academy and trialists um, in this game against Nashville before uh, the the final game. This Nashville game also Ben will not be streamed. We've been told, or at least I, we we've heard so. That sucks, <laughs> but maybe maybe Griffin Yao has a chance to force his way into some some consideration, given these unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, I have uh, uh, two thoughts on on this. It, I want, other than stream the damn game. Well, no, that's one of them, but I'm not there okay. yet. Um, okay. I want Griffin Yao and Kevin Paredes and Moses Nyman and Donovan Pines. I want them to be challenging for starting positions for minutes in the 18 for all of that. They, I want them to be good enough to force DC United's hand, force Ben Olsen's hand in all of that. And hopefully we see that. Hopefully they play well in this game and hopefully they, uh, can challenge for that down the down the down the road, uh, but a lot of people, and I think DC United internally is as well, are expecting a lot of them to play with Loudon United for a large amount of this season. And as we've been harping on, especially this off season, but we've been harping on for years, DC United doesn't have enough players signed right now, and even if they even when they officially sign Eric Sorga, even when they uh, make other deals happen, well, there aren't any other deals besides Eric Sorga, uh, they don't have enough players. I have not uh, looked at all of the data yet, but I'm pretty sure they have the least amount of currently signed players in the Eastern Conference, and that's just not great. They need more players because when you lose somebody like Paul Ariola, then you're just you're down a starter, and then Ulysses Segura is the backup at eight or 10 or 15 positions right now. Uh, to, to Ben's point, uh, we're recording the show out of order. And I, at one point was reading an Eastern conference team's roster for a second segment. And as I was reading it, I was just like, seems like they've got a lot of guys. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> you can have this many guys. Um, so yeah, uh, it kind of hits home when you compare DC to like Philly or, or Atlanta or some of these other teams where, they just have more players. Um, DC, I, I I can't wrap my head around their 
roster numbers right now. It, it, I know there are players that, you know, there are guys on trial that look pretty, I mean, the fact that they're still around at this point is probably a good indicator that um, they're going to be signed. Ben Olson said he acknowledged that if they weren't going to sign them, they needed to let them go sooner rather than later. So they have a time, a chance to find a contract somewhere else. Um, the fact that those guys are still in camp, I think Steve Goff tweeted tonight while we were, or before we went on that um, Aaron Mon and Carter Manley are still there. But even if you sign those guys, and even if you promote Eric Sorga, um, once you acknowledge that Ariola's not going to be around for a while, you still have too small of a roster. You still need to do something in those spots. Um, the good news is that I think the the initial transfer window lasts until May, so they do have time. But you know, who are you going to find in like April that um, Chris Rolf. is is going to help? I mean, well, uh, you know, if, if Chris Rolfe wants to come out of retirement, um, it sounds from all available evidence that he's pretty fine with being retired. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't know where something else is going to come from at that stage. It, it, you don't see many moves at that point for a reason. It's because most guys aren't available uh, at that point. You have to wait until summer. Yeah. At that point, it's a trade within the league for someone right. who's probably out of favor. Which, yeah. And if still, you were going to make a trade, you would have been able to probably make it by now. Right. Yeah. You're still over the barrel though, at that point, because yeah. the trade window is about to close. Um a team with a, a guy who's out of favor doesn't have to make that trade, whereas you do. So right. that's it's not a good bargaining position to be in. Maybe the defender in France, um, whose whose name is escaping me at the moment, um, Debassi. Debassi, yeah, that yep. uh, that Steve Goff identified. Uh, maybe his team is secure or has been officially relegated at that point and they're willing to let him walk. But again, at that point, maybe DC United isn't willing to pay as much for it because he's out of contract. Maybe they just signed him to a pre-contract who knows, but um, yeah, there's, there's spot. There are spots that should be filled with bodies. (laughs) This team needs warm bodies. They need some starting level help with, but they, they need warm bodies. Right, you get into this point where you start to sign guys that are just functional soccer players, and they've always said we don't want to do that because those guys are just on the team, but you don't realistically want to put them in a game. Um, so you you want depth that you can put into a game, um, but they're really running out of time to get that kind of player, and so then you have the okay, do we just play short for a while, or do we just sign some dudes? Um, and get the downside of that. So um, there aren't a lot of good angles at this point, um, other than having something up their sleeve that they just haven't been able to announce or that they've been working on for a while. If they've been planning on it, shaking loose, um, we're, we're kind of stuck hoping that DC United's ability to keep secrets is one of the things that is um, keeping us in the dark about who's going to be on the team. Uh, and that they will be like, Oh, surprise. We got another guy. Um, but it really is at that point. Yeah, I really hate it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so many things about this specific situation that I'm not comfortable with. Um, but it's it's where we are. So um, we also have yet to see uh, Orejas in action. Uh, Edison Flores has not 
seen the field. I mean, we, I guess we haven't really seen much of anyone because of the whole streaming situation, but Edison Flores has not officially played in any, uh, preseason games yet. Uh, Yamil Assad, uh, is currently injured. So is Donovan Pines. Hopefully at least Assad and Flores will be ready for that last preseason game and ready for the opener against Colorado. Um, because if, if we don't have them, um, Oh man, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Um, but, but all, I think, all I, said, I think I said on Twitter, uh, we need orphan black, but for Ulysses Segura, it's, we just have clones of Ulysses Segura playing in like six or seven different positions. And then maybe not knowing that they're clones of each other. If we're going the full orphan black of this, do they all have different accents as well? Yes. So some definitely. of them are raised in, 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 uh, Costa Rica. Some of them are, are raised in America. Some of them are Canadian. Some are English and just have really hard, bad, yeah. fake English accents. Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, I don't love it, but uh, at this point I'll take it. At least it'll it fill out like, a roster. Right. It sounds like the solution here is to just offer Tatiana Maslani a contract to play for DC United and then it'll work itself out because she'll be several people at once. Yeah. She's pretty great. I mean, I'm I'm pro pro Maslani, so <laughs> Okay. Um well we solved it. <laughs> Congratulations. Tatiana Maslani, your your contract is in the we mail. We got it. Um I think our friends at the vocal minority might have something to say about that. They might have a homegrown clan on her. <laughs> Isn't she from like Vancouver area though? I don't know. She maybe she's Canadian. Adam, are you saying all Canada is the same to you? Yes. <laughs> I'm from the United States of America. All of Canada is the same to me. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, Kristen. I really am. Um, She's from Regina. That's in Canada. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know where in Canada. Saskatchewan, apparently. Okay, so she's in between. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we spent time figuring that out. Um, Michael Gamble, Loudoun United player, has scored two goals now in preseason. Um, scored, I think, possibly United's only goals in preseason. Uh, there might have uh, been another jo- one. Josh Fowell has the other one. That's right. Uh, another um, player who most likely will be playing for Loudoun. Um, yeah. Is there any chance Michael Gamble gets a first-team contract out of this preseason showing? Uh, I don't think that's in the works. Um just judging on um so at training for example um he's been there he and a couple other Loudon guys have been at training pretty consistently um Simon Lefebvre comes to mind he's also been training with DC um part of that is so that they can do certain drills um one of the 5v5 games they like to play um involve it's 5v5 and a goalkeeper and you need four goalkeepers to split the group up correctly so you need that, you know, Lefebvre is involved in that. Um, but when they were playing uh, 11 on 11, um, the numbers work out where uh, Gamble was on the sidelines. Um, he would have come in if someone had a knock, but he was not actually in the 11 on 11 game. Um, so that was his role within training was he's kind of making up the numbers. It sounds harsh, but that's kind of the job. Um, to his credit, whenever he's been in any of these training exercises, 
he looks up to speed. Um, he's really technically gifted. He's shifty. Um, he's smart. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think DC United is considering uh, a move in that instance. But like, if we get into the sign a guy to fill in the roster, then, you know, you could do worse. Um, I mean, maybe sign a guy. So Ulysses Segura is not a forward. That's a, well, that's, here's another thing. Michael Gamble isn't a forward. Um, <laughs> he is an attacking midfielder who's been having to play up front because when you bring in all these subs, it just so happens that, um, you know, between Kamara and Sorga, they didn't quite have 90 minutes between the two of them. So they needed somebody else to go do it. So that's what Gamble has been doing. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it kind of underlines that situation as well, that DC United should sign a third forward. Um, and you know, all these shortages, as I wrote on the site, they don't really, you know, Ariola being out adds to it, but it isn't like these shortages weren't already there. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to change away from talking about the roster because it's making me sad. And then instead I'm going to celebrate the fact that, um, over the apparent objections of Ben Olsen, DC United will be wearing red shorts this year. At least some, uh, yeah, at least at, to some extent. Yeah. Um, Pablo Maurer tweeted out that he asked Benny about the, the red shorts. He said, Ben, uh, is the team going to be wearing those red shorts this year? And Olsen's response was something like, yeah, effing thanks to you. So yeah, they look good. We had Pablo on the show last week, um, and yeah, I'm 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 happy with the red shorts, even with the black socks, which are not as good as the white socks. But I will take them. Black socks are great. The black You're socks wrong. are great. I wanted the full ninety six, but the black socks are also great. Um, I did I not say add a- the the full ninety six is a rotating set yeah. of shorts and socks. That is the actual way to do it. And if the team wants to go that route. That's awesome. That's what they should do. If they, if they really want to do it right, that's how to do it. Uh, what would your preferred mechanism be? Whatever happens to be on top of the pile or have uh, the captain choose do it by random number well, generators? I mean, uh, I was going to say, like, since uh, Olsen seems not happy with the red shorts to, like, give him the option of making the choice, but then he would just never choose the red shorts. So um, maybe, yeah, maybe it is like, let, um, let the captain pick. Um, I mean, given speaking, of, speaking of captains, we have no idea who the captain's going to be this year. Right. Uh, that's true. Um, Olson did mention that at some point he would name a captain. Uh, it seemed like it's not a high uh, priority uh, for him at this point. I mean, I it's not to, a big deal. It doesn't, I really have to matter, assume it's going to be burn bomb. Um, he is, uh, from the team's pregame videos, he's been the one giving the last little speech, uh, when the team huddles up, um, which is generally what a captain does. He was captain before, uh, he was also the captain when Wayne Rooney was unavailable. So, um, like when he went to Derby County to, uh, negotiate a new contract in August. So that would be um, one of the times he was unavailable. Yeah. I expect it to work out that way. I expect it to not be a major concern one way or another. Um, But yeah, it's, it's one more thing that's out there that um, 
it feels like needs to get taken care of because again, it's it's we're under two weeks before the start of the season. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to be another captain by committee situation, and then Birnbaum is the embodiment of it on the field. He wears the armband on the field, but in the locker room, it's a collection of guys who are it, and the on the you know the positive on that front is that there are quite a few guys that have those kind of traits like Canals has those kind of traits um, for sure Ariola too yeah um you know who who junior may have gotten the armband had he not been hurt <laughs> right you know junior moreno ola camaro they play important roles with their national teams so they've got that experience um you know felipe as much as people don't like him um really brings a this high level of intensity to training and it seems like everyone on the team really gets along with him very well so um you know fred briant is also really level-headed and um he seems to have the pulse of the the room so there are plenty of options um for sure it's it, this is not a team where you're like wow without some leader emerging this could be a problem i don't I, i'm not worried about leadership on the team as much as i am depth depth is is far and away the top concern right now so to kind of further highlight that point last week uh during jason during your coup um we talked about potential formations that dc united could play and how a 4-3-3 could be part of that do you think that that potentially high pressing 4-3-3 is still on the table with areola on the shelf uh, I mean, it could be, um, you, you, in that case, you'd be talking about, um, most likely Gressel, uh, joining Moreno, Felipe and or Canals, um, in the central trio. Um, and then you're probably at that point asking Assad, uh, or Flores to play on the right, which is not necessarily the best spot for them. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a, uh, it, it it kind of it it's a dent on that. Um, I think we're most likely going to see four two three one for at least the first month or so, um, while they work on playing that other way in training is what I would expect to see. But um, you know the issue without Ariola now is that um, if you want to play that way, your next right winger is either you have to bring Flores in centrally. Um, into, into the central midfield, which means pulling him a little further away from goal than he would be in the four, two, three, one, or you have to pull Gressel off the right wing and either play someone out of position on the right, or you have to bring Segura in and then you're leaving out someone that's better than him from the lineup. So it does, you know, that move does take a hit. Um, so if you were looking forward to that, it, you might not see it for a little while. Um, there's no, there's no way around it. it it's definitely, more difficult to play without him than with him. Now I'm sad again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it, it's not no, great right now, Adam. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I still feel pretty good about the team, but I don't. This is definitely uh, a dark cloud on the horizon. It's not the best thing at all. Right. I'm, I'm really, really hoping um, both for Paul's sake and the team's that that this is a toward that shorter recovery time uh and it again from reports it sounds like it was not a full tear it was a partial tear which is relatively rare um and and luckily k 
carries with it a shorter uh, recovery timeline well, after the surgery. Possibly, possibly um, does, yeah. Because potentially, it, it, it actually. So the shorter timeline actually reminds me quite a bit of um, if people remember uh, D Rose injury in 2012, um, where initially that one was diagnosed as being very like, oh, it'll only be a couple weeks. Um, and then he got back and it turned out to be a much more significant injury. And it was a situation where he would have had to like come off the bench in MLS cup if DC had gotten that far. Um, and this was when MLS cup also bridged, uh, several international windows and took place like six more weeks into the future past the conference final, because why, why would you not organize a schedule like that for many years? (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, this, that's, you know, uh, I guess there's that, that's a something, I don't know if it's a positive, but at least we're not getting a like, oh, it's only going to be a few weeks. And then it's like, hey, why is he still out? We're not getting that. We're getting the like, yeah, he's probably gonna be out for most of the season, if not all of it. So if he comes back in July or August, it's almost like a a bonus that we didn't expect. So that's something. Um, But, you know, we're still looking at like a bad scenario as like, Hey, that's not the worst. Um, Yeah. Um, We're trying, we're in the bargaining phase. I think we definitely are. Um, And, and on that front, uh, I, I, I know that DP signings often take multiple windows to land. You, you start watching them a couple years before you sign them. You start talking to them a year before you sign them. And then eventually I wonder if there are any of those conversations happening that Dave Casper uh, is trying to accelerate. I have no reporting or knowledge on that, but I, I hope it's the case because I really think that um, with Paul Ariel on the shelf for half or the entire year, um, DC United is going to need another top line starting level uh top five at his position kind of player to uh to to make a a go of things this year so hopefully we'll find out and you know best case scenario we get areola back later this year and have an extra body we have to deal with but yeah this is me bargaining (laughs) yeah and and i'm not 100% 100% sure if this was addressed in the new CBA or not, but um, previously my understanding of it off the top of my head right now is that um, they'd be able to get the roster spot, but not the um, salary spending um, back. So uh, unfortunately DC, DC doesn't need the roster spot to make a move. They've got roster yeah. spots. That's not the problem. Um so yeah, I don't know if there's any relief involved here um, that is, or at least I know that there's, you know, roster spot relief, but that doesn't, that's not a need. Um, so unfortunately they'll have to find, unless something changed, they'd have to find a way to make it work, um, you know, or go sign a player on loan um, for a short term sort of thing. Maybe, this could be the rare instance now that we're talking about it of someone making the uh, rare interleague uh, loan within MLS. Um, uh, just now that would have to be for the full season. So that player would be coming in and, and if Ariola comes back in July, that player would be stuck further down the depth chart, but you know, you deal with that when you come to it. Is um, there anybody who comes to mind that might be a candidate for that? I mean, 
I'm sure there is someone if I look through every single roster, but um, right. this is something that just crept into my head as I'm as I'm talking. So right, I didn't um, know if there was someone who like no, no, thought of uh, immediately. No, just uh, somewhere out there, there's got to be another um, active versatile attacker who's maybe not in the best situation at his current club and could be acquirable that way. But who knows? Hey, Jason, what if they had just signed more players before <laughs> Paul Ariola had gotten injured? I mean, that would certainly address some of their other problems, like signing more players in the back would help. Uh, yeah. In any so they didn't have to shift players to the back line or right. Or, or signing depth overall. Signing and, a third forward would be nice. Um, this is one of my bugaboos. It doesn't really matter, but just when we talk about how many players DC United has on their roster, we're basically overcounting by one because they have three goalkeepers and they're never going to carry three goalkeepers on their game day roster. So we're kind of. Hey, they might always if they be- only have 17. Players, uh, right, otherwise. and that's a bad thing. And uh, like they're always <laughs> going to loan one to Loudoun yeah. County, and so we're basically overcounting by one because we're overcounting either Chris Seitz or Earl Edwards Jr. Literally tonight, as we're doing this show, LAFC is playing a Champions League game with two goalkeepers on their bench, um, and it's yeah. not great for them. You don't really want to be doing that. Um, it's silly <laughs> for anyone yeah, keeping so- track of DC United alumni. Also note that Dan Yakovich is starting in this game that LAFC played tonight. I mean, I say is starting as we are experiencing this. He is right. starting, but as you also, are experiencing this, he started. But yes, also, whenever you hear us talk about DC United's roster uh, numbers, just subtract one because they have three goalkeepers. So for effective number of players that they're going to possibly carry on the roster. Just just subtract one out of that. So really we're at like what 20 or 21 right now with Sorga not yet officially signed and Paul Ariola out. Uh it's something like that. I yeah. think it's 21. Um, it's if not you subtract great, out a goalkeeper. It yeah, it's bad. It's bad, y'all. That's why we all hate it. All three of us hate it. Well, does anyone have anything happier to talk about before we go to the second segment, which as I mean, Jason we, alluded we, to earlier, we've already recorded. We could talk about the rumored TV deal. Let's do that. Let's do that. There's, there's more to be uh, possibly unhappy about. <laughs> um, <laughs> great. Just, this is going great. I, I, um, I didn't expect you to actually run with it. I just hey, I'm going to run with it. We it. haven't, we haven't talked about it. Um, That's true. So DC United early on this, this winter, we're in talks with a few different outlets for for tv coverage uh nbc sports washington was the initial front runner they got pretty deep into talks but uh nbcsw would not commit to carrying every game on television which i think jason has Shocker referred surprise. to as the bare minimum it's it's the absolute entry level of this the whole like- thing it's they like they're the same ship. people from CSN back in the day that did the exact same thing. Oh, wait, they are. Yeah. So they wanted to shift several games, uh, five to seven games, maybe more, um, to Monumental Sports streaming service, which is a paid service like Flow FC was, only it's locally owned by Ted Leonsis. Um, it, it probably works better. 
Yeah, it probably works better. <laughs> we don't know. None of us subscribe to it. I mean, it, it can't work worse. <laughs> it, Pretty much. It, don't don't your, say things you your can't Your device take back. sits on fire when you uh, yeah. try to... Uh, Adam, I couldn't watch the games. It can't work worse. It could oh. brick your Sim- device. That is a way it would work worse. Okay. So I, I let's not say things we can't take back. I'm not saying that that's what Monumental does, but it it's not on TV. Is that what you're saying Flow of C does? No. Let's not go. No. Yeah. We're not going to get into libel here. Uh, anyway, um, talks broke down over that five to seven maybe more games that would not be televised. And DC United, it is a lot. DC United moved on to the, the next best partner in their eyes, which is Sinclair Broadcasting Corporation, who you might remember for putting games on their cable channel instead of the broadcast channel that they had indicated, or at least seemed to the public to have indicated they would be carrying games on. Um, Formerly News Channel 8, now WJLA News 24-7, which somebody decided was a better brand than News Channel 8. Um, most games, it sounds like it sounds like this deal will probably happen at this point. It's not done yet, as near as we can tell. Um, but most games will be on the cable channel, which is not available to any uh, streaming services like Fubo or YouTube TV. It is available on high def in DC through Fios and direct TV, maybe. Um, otherwise you're getting it in standard def. And if you are not in the very immediate DC area, you are not getting it at all. Um, yeah, if you're like South of Fredericksburg or in Baltimore, you're not getting it. Yeah. So, uh, unclear where the blackout radius will be or whether Sinclair will, uh, who is one of the largest broadcast conglomerates in the country it's unclear whether they will get their affiliates in richmond and baltimore and uh elsewhere to to carry the games like they did the first year of their contract with dc united yeah, the only the first contract. year then they then they dumped it years two and three they did not do that um i would really like to see them do that i would like to also see them simulcast on a Broad on like a sub channel for DC United or Sweet Baby or for for WJLA in DC, but that was a pipe dream before. It's a pipe dream now. Um, Spanish commentary is a pipe dream as well, uh, as necessary as I think it should be. If talks break down with Sinclair, then throw your hands up. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we do know. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's. I think. At first, I was frustrated that the team is kind of back to where they were before the flow deal. Um, but I think the real frustration I have now is that the the options are just the reason they went back to Sinclair is that these are these are the best options they have. Um, you know, when we're talking about five to seven games, and let's go ahead and call it seven, uh, not being on TV, um, that's twenty percent. That's actually over twenty percent of the regular season. Um, this was the whole problem with, um, the, you know, the, the broadcast was never the problem with, um, CSN. It was, you know, the, the broadcast was great. The people there were really educated on the team. They cared the, the, everything about it felt like pretty good, except 20% of the games weren't on TV. So, you know, it almost doesn't matter. 
Um, St. Clair can put all your games on TV, but the broadcast felt a little, a little less good. And obviously for people that are getting it in SD, it feels a whole lot uh, uh, worse than you're, you've come to expect from any of your TV channels, most likely at this point in time. So, um, and that's, those are the options, uh, you know, Fox has come up a couple times, but we don't know. I, obviously they keep not winning the, uh, the race to get those rights. So their offer must necessarily be worse. Um, it's really, it's really frustrating. You would think that at this point, someone somewhere, so, somehow things would have shaken out where there'd be a better option on the table. Um, maybe DC, I would hope has asked Sinclair like, Hey, uh, last time we were not satisfied with terms, so it can't be the same deal again, but we don't have any reason to believe that that won't be the case at this point. Yeah, especially given reporting that most of the games will be on the cable channel, right? which is the source of a lot of the problems. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, the team is in a different context. The team is over a barrel here. They need their games to be on TV. Right, uh, and they, they broke their co- last year. contract. Yeah, they broke their contract with Flow FC, and uh, they are not in a great negotiating position right now. Yeah, so we will see what happens. We will hopefully know by the time we record next week exactly where the game will be because that game is scheduled for local television, uh, or at least not scheduled for national TV. So it'll be local or nothing, um, and hopefully it's not nothing. So thanks, Ben. This was this was an uplifting detour. I mean, it, the people need to know. Alas, I guess they do. Um, I think that's it for this segment. Please stick around. We'll be right back with Matt Doyle to talk about the Eastern Conference. This is filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you call the ehrlich law office because you have rights that's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Going back a few years now, we have had Matt Doyle on the show late into the preseason each year to help us preview the Eastern Conference, kind of take a step back and a look around. And well, that time has come in 2020. Uh, so Matt Doyle, the armchair analyst from MLSsoccer.com. Welcome back to Filibuster. Guys, it's our annual tradition. I always get excited for this show. So uh, cheers. 
Cheers. What are you? Uh, what are you drinking tonight? What are we toasting with? Uh, I am toasting with uh, some Takara sake. Uh, you, you guys mentioned. Um, you know, I've kept I've kept the Oakland phone number, and I've also uh, kept my uh, my almost seven years in uh, in Berkeley very close to my heart. Uh, and Takara is a a little sake brewery out in Berkeley um, that is just fantastic. And believe it or not, the local package store here uh, in in Long Island City actually carries four or five different types of Takara. So. Um, anytime I'm missing Berkeley too much and, and given how gray and shitty it is in New York these days, that's <laughs> a lot. Um, I, I grabbed some of my sake and I remember what it was like living, uh, in sunny California. There you go. Uh, I, I'm here for that. Um, new year, new stories, of course. What's the biggest storyline for you coming into 2020? Uh, something like 18 teams or maybe even more than that at this point have, set new records for transfer spends. Um, whether it's, you know, Edison Flores uh, for you guys or, you know, Rodolfo Pizarro as for coming to a, the new team in Miami or teams like the crew, like Columbus crew are not a glamour team and they just <laughs> dropped seven and a half million dollars on an Argentine, his prime Argentine playmaker from the best and most successful team in North America over the past decade. Uh, this is, it's a new, like it, it just, it, it feels like a corner has been turned in terms of um, how, how much ownership is willing to invest uh, in these rosters. And I can't wait to see what that means on the field. Yeah. It sounds like there's going to be, I mean, you don't know who's going to pan out. The South American player of the year comes in to Atlanta United and gets a collective meh from a lot of people (laughs) um, and deserved it. Um, Looking at DC, you mentioned Edison Flores. Um, What do you make of their their offseason? Looking at the MLSsoccer.com preview, the consensus seemed to be a playoff bubble team for DC. I think their ceiling's significantly higher than that, but that's... Mm -hmm. Uh, their floor might be even lower. What do you make of, of DC coming into this year? Uh, I mean, it's, it does feel like a transition year, even though they brought so much back from last year's team that had such a great defense. Um, they lost two huge pieces. Uh, they, well, three really with now with Paul Areola. And beyond that, if you if you looked at the underlying numbers and you saw how DC played a lot of those games, like they they weren't a great team. I know their defense didn't allow a lot of goals, and um, you know I know they got some big results uh, when they needed to, but th- this team they never really developed an on field identity other than you know grit and grind out a bunch of one goal results or draws really in, in the final two thirds of the season. Um, getting Flores is supposed to, at least in part, fix that. Um, getting to play Ola Kamara is a true number nine. Um, hopefully having Yamil Assad and getting him healthy and getting him to remember what it's like to play soccer again. Getting <laughs> Julian Gressel. Like, all, all these things are – Gressel's a legitimately great signing, and I think Assad will be too, and I think Flores is going to be really good as well. Um, though I wish 
an MLS team had gotten him four years ago when you could have gotten him for a million instead of five million. Um, <laughs> but like all of this stuff makes sense on paper. But also last year, it made sense on paper for DC to be a much more entertaining and dangerous and attacking team than they ultimately ended up being. So trying to predict what's going to happen is like, it's a fool's errand at this point because this, this team's just been so up and down year after year after year that it's like, just throw a dart. So Matt, the team in the Eastern conference that is in the news, the most right now is obviously FC Cincinnati and they dismissed their coach and obviously they should have, uh, but, where do they go from here? Is it even possible for them to have a, a, a decent season after this? I know y'all picked him to picked them to finish uh, near the bottom of the East, but can they do anything with the season now? I mean, they have a lot more talent than they did last year. I, I, I'm not going to claim that their defensive issues are completely solved, but like Vanderverf and this new guy Pedersen. Kendall Waston, Nick Hagland, like you're four deep with legit MLS center backs. Getting Medunian in as the, the the number six to sit in front of them and just clean up any messes and then pull strings with his distribution, which is fantastic. Like that, that alone should make them 20% better. But then adding a couple of DP attackers, like this team, they, they, like they could do some damage. Um, that said, <laughs> They are in utter chaos right now. The The start of the season is 11 days away. Um, and it's like, it's, I, I just can't, I, I, I mean, Cincinnati needs a, they just need a reset button, it seems. Um, I think that is the amazing. most brutal statement I've ever seen from the MLS Players Association against one individual team that came out today. Yeah, that that, that was very much no holds barred wasn't it um and like it, it's I, I imagine there's a lot of soul searching right now but the the good thing about the soul searching cincinnati can do at the moment is that they're doing it with a 20 million dollar striker up top like you're gonna look at it it didn't work for him in the premier league but it sure did work for him at psv um and he sold for 20 million dollars two years ago he's 26 years old. Like this is not a guy who's at the end of the line. So they have much more talent. And even as everything else is a freaking mess around them, um, talent has a way of fixing a lot of problems. Um, and lack of talent has a way of causing a lot of problems as we learned last year. Uh, Matt, I, I, as a coastal elitist, it pains me to do this, but I guess we'll stay in Ohio for a moment. Um, (laughs) you brought up the crew and I feel like they aren't getting talked about enough. Um, the fact that it's, they've brought in Lucas Elrayan, they brought, uh, Darlington Nagby back. Um, they've added to multiple lines. They've gotten guys healthy again. Um, do you think this team has, has what it takes to actually maybe contend towards the top? Yeah, you know, like we did our we did our predictions this week um, for the for the big preview on MLSsoccer.com, and uh, I, you know, I sweated over it. And my my first pass, my first run through, I actually had Columbus as number two 
in the in the Eastern Conference, just behind NYCFC. But and I like it, it wouldn't take a ton to to get them up there because as you said, Zellerion, Nagby, Artur will hopefully have a better season. Luis Diaz was really promising last year. Jossi Zardes is a reliable MLS goal scorer. We know that now. Is Jossi Zardes a good enough number nine in the year 2020 to lead his team to a supporter shield? I have my doubts. Uh, Pedro Santos had a very good year last year. Uh, is Pedro Santos good enough to be a starter and the second or third best attacking player on a team that legitimately competes for MLS Cup. I have my doubts. So I, I almost talked myself into it, and then I looked at that, and then I looked at some of the questions about their central defense and their question that left back with Milton Valenzuela. You don't know if he's going to be the same player he was in 2018. And there's just enough doubt there for me to say, you know, I still think that there are three or four more talented teams in the Eastern Conference. So while the crew could get there, they feel, I think, more like 2018 Sporting Kansas City level team rather than these new, you know, almost super teams that approach or pass 70 points every year and compete for multiple titles. One of those teams, uh, the one that has won three trophies in the last two years is Atlanta United. And they may have seen more talent go out the door this winter than, than anybody else. Um, with, with Nagby leaving, um, they, they lost, and now I'm blanking on names because I'm, I'm trying to say them out loud, but they, they lost quite a few players. Uh, I mean, they lost three other, they lost three of their top five players. Yeah. Nagby, I mean, Russell and Leandro yeah. Gonzalez Perez. Yeah, there it is. Um, what are they going to do this year? Are they going to compete at the top again? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, it kind of went the opposite way for me with Atlanta than it did for Columbus. Like in the first pass with Atlanta, I had dropped them down to like fifth or sixth in the Eastern conference. But then I remembered that they have Joseph Martinez. Um, and if you have Joseph Martinez, like that team was falling apart last year. And then Joseph was like, screw this. And he scored in like 16 straight games. That was like, he was better and more valuable in 2019 than he was in 2018 when he won MVP of the regular season, MVP of the all-star game and MVP of MLS cup. (laughs) I hope everybody understands like what a special player he is. And then on top of that, like I'm not a Barco fan by any stretch, but if you look at how he played in the playoffs, like he was making line breaking passes. He wasn't just dribbling into blind alleys. Like he's kind of habitually done for the past few years. He was actually taking his skill and his abilities and, and, turning them into chances. Um, so that's a pretty good foundation. And then you look like, okay, they lost Gonzalez Perez, but they brought in Mesa. You know, they still have Miles Robinson and Escobar. They went out and they got Rosetto, who everybody seems to be pretty high on. And losing Julian Gressel stinks, but Brooks Lennon is basically Julian Gressel light. Um, so I... Like, again, I first pass, I was like, no, Atlanta's just lost too much. But even with losing the guys that they lost, they have replaced them, it seems, with guys who can do that job while still keeping, you know, I mean, argue, the 
best center forward and then arguably, you know, the best center back in the league. Um, it's tough to pick against that. So speaking of teams that may have lost too much and who have recently lost a former MLS best 11 forward, uh, do you think that the New York Red Bulls have sold too many players to be able to compete this year in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I'm not sure it's the guys they sold because let's face it, like Mario was completely checked out last year and it sounded like Kamar Lawrence was going that way as well. Um, but it's that they haven't added new guys. Um, Josh Sims seems like an okay player. Um, is he a, a a game breaking DP in MLS in, in 2020? I don't think so. I don't think Kaku is either. I, I like Brian White and Tom Barlow. They, they both like combined. I think they had 12 goals and three or four assists last year in, um, about 1900 minutes, which is like, that's legit. That's, that's like MLS starting center forward productivity, but it's not like neither of these guys is going to be Chicharito. Um, if they added, if they went out and they got themselves a $7 million winger, you know, if they got whatever the modern equivalent of Ignacio Piatti is like, you'd look at that Red Bulls team and be like, well, they're young in a couple of places, but they have, you know, a couple of match winners in attack and they have this really great defense. But I think because they haven't really done that, there's there's still this malaise over the team because it, it doesn't seem like they're as invested in competing at the top of the league. And speaking of Barlow and White, there has been issues with uh, players coming from USL into MLS. It's been very hit or miss over the course of the relationship between the two leagues and more players have failed out than have, have worked their way through. Do you think that they can succeed in MLS over the course of an entire season? And can they be the answer full time for a team with the expectations of the New York Red Bulls as starting strikers? Um, I mean, that's the, that's literally a multi-million dollar question because right. if one or both of these guys can be starting strikers. Then that saves the Red Bulls a lot of money in terms of not having to go out on, on the market. Um, and given how, how good Red Bull's been at developing guys, um, you know, Kamar Lawrence wasn't much when he came to MLS, uh, but they turned him into, you know, one of the best left backs in league history and a guy who they sold for, I think a couple million dollars. Um, we all know the Aaron long story. We've seen guys come through their Academy and, and, you know, not highly regarded and end up being very good MLS players. It's, it's a great test case for the Red Bulls. I, I look at what they have in terms of playmaking and in terms of on the wing and I, I honestly think it's going to be less about Barlow and White and more about whether the guys they have behind them can be creative players at a level um, that's necessary in MLS in 2020. And bearing that in mind, like for the Red Bulls, the the creativity has always come from the press. Um, And last year, it didn't seem like the press was such an advantage anymore. Like it didn't seem 
like they had, like they weren't catching teams off guard. They weren't overwhelming teams with their commitment. They weren't as hard to play through. Um, and down the stretch and in big games, um, that that definitely cost them some points. Uh, Matt, sticking with um, teams that uh, have been put forward as DC's rival, um, the Philadelphia Union, they look <laughs> pretty pretty poised um, to be pretty good again. I, I'm expecting them to be one of the best teams in the East, but I'm also, I look at their roster and I think um, there are a couple spots where I feel like maybe there's not a lot of depth there. Um, what's your what's your feel about maybe what could go wrong for the Union? I mean, what could go wrong? There's like a list. First of all, Madunian is gone, um, and the, the, they brought in two guys to replace him, and um, Orovec, who they believe Slovakian, um, and then a, a Venezuelan teammate whose name is escaping me right now. And it's like I'm, I'm sure those guys are pretty good. Uh, Ernst Tanner seems to have a very good hit rate on um, his overseas signings, but like Madunian was singular in how he conducted that team. And like everything they did flowed through him and changing that at all um, means it's an entirely new approach. It just does. So that's a, that's a huge variable right there is whether these guys can do any of that job or whether having someone besides Virginian out there means an entire revamp of how you get from the back to the front. Um, that's one. Number two is they were plus 23 when El Sino was on the field last year. Uh, they were minus 15 <laughs> when he was not on the field. It just inc- like, that's incredible. <laughs> what do you do? Like, yeah. like what, do you, what do you do with that? He's literally um, a cheat code. Yes, he was, he was ridiculous. Um, and then number three is Casper Shavilko looks great last year. Um, and he's, you know, he scored 15 goals and he was like an emotional leader too. You could see he was just like one of those guys who, who like to play a little bit mean, and I love that about him. Um, but he's also a guy who's missed like multiple seasons due to foot injuries. And the warm up for the last game of the season, he had a foot injury and he missed the playoffs because of it. And now he's back and he's still scoring goals in preseason. Um, but like it feels like I don't want to jinx the guy, and, and I hope that he plays healthy every minute this year. But like. Again, this guy's already missed multiple seasons in his career due to foot injuries. He had a foot injury last year. Like, edge of your seat anytime he goes into a challenge this season. NYCFC finished on top of the East last year. They have a coaching change. Um, notwithstanding that, they they haven't seen much turnover at all as, as far as on the field. Um, I think you wrote that they're top 13 players or so are, are all back in place for, for this year. Are they going to run away with the East? Uh, even with a new coach, it seems like it would take a, well, to keep it in NYFC, a dummy torrent kind of slump to Ronnie Dahlia's, uh, the beginning of Ronnie Dahlia's tenure for, for this team, not to potentially build a big lead to start the season. Uh, I mean, I, again, this is going back to like choosing who's going to finish where in the rankings. I, like I originally had NYCFC number one, 
and specifically because they're bringing back 92% of their minutes and Max Morales was so great last year and Eber and Tati Castellanos and to Jory Schrade when he's healthy was excellent. Um, but we've seen this team, you know, throw 2015, their expansion season out. Um, since then, they've had two, like, two eras of struggle. And both of those were like 15 to 20 game streaks when they replaced their coach. And I don't, at this point, like, I have to assume, Ronnie Dial is saying all the right things, but I have to assume he's going to do what basically every coach does, which is see something that's not broke and try to fix it anyway. Um, Every coach, when they get in these situations, wants to put their stamp on the team. And the players sometimes resent that. And Ronnie Dylan's track record, frankly, isn't that great. Um, so I'm expecting them to struggle. I actually don't think they're going to finish atop the East, let alone, let alone run away with it. Um, that said, they have, they have too much talent to miss the playoffs entirely. Um, and I, I actually think they'll, they'll finish top three and just figure stuff out by the second half of the season. But start of the year, half Champions League, I think it's going to be a struggle. So, speaking of, well, not really speaking of teams that DC United's uh, rivals with, but they are one. Um, The New England Revolution have Bruce Arena, and we all know many things about Bruce Arena, but (laughs) do you think they're... Their bump last year was a new coach bump, and can Bruce Arena sustain that in uh, the 2020 MLS season? I mean, it was definitely a, a new coach bump, and it was definitely um, a lot of luck. If you looked at their underlying numbers, um, Matt Turner was basically freaking Superman. The, the like, as soon as he got into the lineup, he was the best shot stopper in the league, and kept being that basically every week for six months. Um, I don't, I don't think he can continue at that rate. Like just historically speaking, like you don't, you don't see that eventually there's some regression to the mean and for the, for the revolution, a lot of that came from frailty in central defense. and just like some insane risks these guys were taking and just like not dealing well with crosses from the left, like basic stuff. Uh, but then all, uh, I think even more of it came from their central midfield play where, you know, Sahibo just ball watches. Um, he doesn't, he's not a defensive presence at all, even though he's a big athletic dude. Uh, and, and Caicedo just goes chasing. So these two guys at being the number one central midfield pairing, um, leaves them really exposed in front of this central defense, which is uh, questionable at best. Um, and those are the only two places on the team that the Reds didn't address this offseason. <laughs> so I it, like this is when I went back and forth on with, with a bunch of friends. Like, okay, what's going to happen with, with New England this year? And there was something like, look, if Bruce had them for the entire season, they were a top four team in the East. There's no question about it. And others being like, look at the underlying numbers. This team, you know, if they didn't have prime Lev Yashin in net, they're not making the playoffs. Um, and I fell somewhere in the middle there. Um, I, I do think they'll play better just because they'll have had the, the full offseason. I do think their attack 
has a potential to be really, really good. But I just, I am not a believer in their central midfield or central defense. And I think in the end, that's going to cost them, uh, cost them a bunch of points enough to maybe put them on the road again uh, for the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, those are two very important positions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, I, I guess um, it, it feels weird to say it, but I, I feel like there hasn't been uh, that much talk about Inter-Miami during the offseason until this Rodolfo Pizarro thing started working itself out. Um, it's kind of wild. We mentioned Zellerion. Now we're talking about um, a Mexico international coming from Monterey to MLS is just adding to the list from what we talked about at the top um, with Pizarro, with Diego Alonso's experience um, coaching in the champions league, coaching against MLS teams. Um, do you think this team can actually uh, be one of the quote unquote good expansion teams? Or do you think they're going to maybe be more in that 45 point range come the end of the year? Hey, let's remember that before, before Atlanta and LAFC 45 points was, excellent for an expansion team yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> honestly I, I think since the fire back in 98 i think only only uh seattle had done better than that um i i do think i do think this team ends up somewhere between 45 and 50 points maybe that changes if they go out and they get um another big piece either in central i mean there's talk of um uh, the name is escaping me the, the central midfield kid from boca juniors uh, Almendra uh, coming in as their third DP. Um, that I mean, suddenly that team would be stacked. That team would look like uh, no doubt about it playoff team. I think they're edging in that direction. I'm not as sold on them uh, as I was on LAFC two years ago, um, but still pretty pretty good. I think. <laughs> so Matt, who wins the East this year? Uh, actually, Toronto FC went in the East. And then part of it is that um, they don't have CCL to start the season. For the first time in like five years, they don't have to worry about those early season games. They can take their time getting fit. Josie is fit. Um, and supposedly was just awesome the other day against the Galaxy in a preseason game. Uh, Pozuelo, like he fell off in the second half of last season and it needs to be understood. He played 16 straight months. He played 80 games over 16 months without a break. Yeah. So, of course, he ran out of gas. Well, now he's had three months off. Um, he supposedly looked excellent in midseason. They added another DP winger, which I didn't think they needed to do. I actually thought they should have waited until um, the summer window and then just figured out how best to address that. Um, but I get why they did it. And I think Given all that, given how good they were once Omar got there, I, I mean, I think they had only two losses um, the entire second half of the season, including the playoffs, so obviously MLS Cup. Um, like This team, I don't think they're going to be... Uh, I, I, like, I, would, I would wager on both LAFC and, um, a, a, and Seattle being better than them in the long haul. I would think that... Um, into Miami, depending on who they sign to get above that, and maybe even uh, NYCFC as well. Um, but I just think, in terms of going into the season with like clear goals and clear expectations and a clear depth chart, even without Michael Bradley, uh, this team is set up 
to do some real damage. Well, the part of me that stands Nick DeLeon is happy to hear that. The rest of me, <laughs> you know, maybe not so much, especially remembering the playoffs last year. Uh, Matt, thanks. Thanks again for, for joining us. I know you've got some serious uh, CONCACAF Champions League to watch, so we're going to let you get out of here. But first, tell the, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Well, everything I write is on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, obviously, video and podcast and all that as well. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MattDoyle76. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. And you can support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. If you are so inclined, find us on Twitter at Find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU. Thank you for that, Ben. Uh, at filibuster DCU at Black and Red U. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us uh, to download, rate, review, subscribe, and whatever else, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. So when you're talking about this last week, gearing up for february 29th just mention that there's a podcast that you listen to and they drink and talk to matt doyle sometimes and it's good fun um so yeah <laughs> thanking thanking matt doyle one more time for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason adam that almost turned into a, an outro like mine yeah i, I lost <laughs> it for a minute there but i got it back <laughs> Thank you.